Welcome to Rock Talk, the podcast where a couple of jabronis get to know the movie roles of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'm Jordan Rummel, joined as always by my good friend and co-host Charlie Guile. Charlie, how are you doing on this beautiful, beautiful evening? I'm doing pretty well, man. I finally feel like uh, winter has descended upon Washington, D.C. It's freezing cold every time I go outside. And what better way to pass the uh, cold weather than by curling up with a good Dwayne Johnson movie. Uh, unfortunately, this was not a good one. Um, well, here's the thing. If you're right about one thing, if you're looking to warm the cockles of your heart on a chilly evening, there's nothing better than the warm embrace of Dwayne Johnson. Um, but here's the thing. This movie is better than you're giving it credit for. And that is a discussion we are going to get into today when we take a look at the 2008 family-friendly action-adventure Race to Witch Mountain, the remake of the 1975 film by the name of Escape to Witch Mountain. But first, of course, we're going to take a look at our rock news of the week. Mazel! That's fantastic news! It's a big week for rock news. First, we're going to start out with a Vice article that was posted by and written by a guy named Joel Golby. And Jordan, this is more or less the mission statement of our podcast. This is more or less a love letter to Dwayne Johnson. The title is Enormous Man Still Alive is Great, colon, Why We All Love the Rock. Oh, I mean, it's I'm, I'm upset that we didn't write this, to tell you the truth. I know. I, honestly, I feel like he's listened to our podcast and sort of condensed down all of um, our fawning over Dwayne Johnson and just wrote it down. But one phrase that he coins in this article that I wish we would have thought of is he calls Dwayne Johnson Beyonce for boys. Oh, I mean, it's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. It is. It's, it, it absolutely encompasses you know all that we aim to do here and, and the way that we see this guy. I don't think that there's a better way to describe the full magnitude of a celebrity i think it's you know just another example of uh joel golby crushing it over at vice and one of the lines right basically it's the lead of this story it says the only way i will die happy is if the rock punches me horribly to death <laughs> and that's how i feel too i mean every line of this i'm reading i'm just nodding on going yes 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 i get it and to make it even better the the graphics that he has chosen to put in this article there's my my favorite one here is this picture of squirtle a version of squirtle that has a like a like a 1990s dwayne johnson head and then it evolves into a blastoise with a screaming modern day ripped bald (laughs) dwayne johnson and it like where this is insane beautiful art i want it as my cover photo i'm probably going to make it my cover photo it's spectacular it's great uh here's a line from it It says, there is no man on earth who doesn't respect The Rock so much that it busts through simple adoration and goes right on into being full in love. (laughs) I mean, feel that way. God, this Uh, is us. God, it's really. The only question left to ask then is, why do you love The Rock? And to a man, they all started with the same four words, because he is strong. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's so spot on. We could talk about this article all episode long. So on to our second piece of news. It's a, it's a bit of sad news. Dwayne Johnson is no longer people's sexiest man alive. Uh, that honor has now gone to Blake Shelton. Now, this is a terrible decision. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. 
This is. I, I mean, don't know who he's an Oklahoman, people... so I'll, I'll always appreciate that part. But l- let me say, he's not even the sexiest man on his show on M- NBC. No, no. Here's the thing about Blake Shelton. Uh, he looks like he always just smelled a fart. He's got a. <laughs> he's got like a wrinkled. Like you look at any photo of him smiling, any of them. Google Blake Shelton. Look at the images. Tell me he doesn't look like that's a man who just smelled a fart. Our last piece of news is actually is going to tie into something that's going to happen the day that we release this episode. Um, uh, on Thursday, November 16th, we're getting a Rampage trailer. It's going to be the first trailer that we see. Uh, but CinemaBlend.com is out with an article that gives us clues into what Rampage is going to be about. It's going to be based on the arcade video game. The thing that, you know, I always come back to and why I have a lot of hesitation with this movie is that there was absolutely zero plot to the game Rampage. It might as well have been Pac-Man uh, in the in terms of how much plot development there is. You're just a big giant creature beating up buildings. Uh, we saw the the little like not I guess it's not a poster. It looks like a graphic about about Rampage. Yeah, And you said it really well, Charlie. It looks like a King Kong knockoff and i think they're gonna have to do a lot of work to make this more than just a king kong meets godzilla you know meets cloverfield type of a movie so i don't know i you know i have you know i always got high hopes for a dwayne johnson movie but this one this one i'm skeptical about so we also get the rock's character name in rampage his name's going to be davis okoye which sounds african um dwayne johnson's not african but no, that's just another it's another example of Dwayne Johnson's like ethnicity just further blurring into an ambiguous. That's true. Pile you know how mush. they say that in like 500 years, we'll all be sort of the same skin tone and we'll all be speaking the same language. Right. I think the rock is about 500 uh, years ahead of us. Oh, my God. If 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 half a century from, or if a half a millennium from now, we all look like Dwayne Johnson. Humanity's done something right. I'll tell you that right yeah. now. Yeah. Honestly, uh, he's he's the end of the line as far as evolution is concerned. It doesn't get much better. But some of the some more of the clues that we got from the Rampage movie is The Rock will be playing a man named Davis Okoye who plays a scientist and he works closely with a 500-pound silverback gorilla named George who is given an experimental serum and then obviously things go a bit haywire after that. I just hope that they play this movie up to be a little more campy and less serious uh, because that's the only way that this isn't going to be just a straight-up King Kong ripoff movie. And you brought up a good point when we were talking about this earlier. In the game, when it's game over, your so say your play is George the Gorilla, the gorilla shrinks down into a person, so you find out that it was a person the whole time. I don't think that they're going to be taking that angle in the movie but I would love to see that. See, that drives me insane because that's all I want for this kind of a movie. W- why pass up an opportunity to have Dwayne Johnson morph into like a 20 foot tall gorilla? Like, <laughs> like what are we doing as a society that we are of the movie is in our laps and we somehow we somehow don't do it. Like, what is wrong with people? I'm I don't know. I'm really frustrated. I think that this movie, like at first glance. At first glance, I'm pretty upset with where this is going. All I want, all I want, is a Dwayne Johnson gorilla hybrid movie, folks. <laughs> is that so much to ask? I mean, I mean, but you bring up a good point. So we have this movie that's coming out next year that so far doesn't look excellent. 
We have Jumanji coming up here in like a month, which honestly I doesn't seem super promising to me. After that, you have Skyscraper. Skyscraper might be something good, or it could just be sort of an extension of San Andreas, uh, which I actually kind of enjoy. We haven't gotten to that on the podcast yet, but we'll get there eventually. And then after that, you have Jungle Cruise. So honestly, the only hope on the horizon is this Hobbs vs. Shaw movie. I gotta say, I'm very anxious about this lineup of Dwayne Johnson movies, especially the fact that we're going to get a few more seven bucks productions out of him. Well, his career has pretty much gone on peaks and valleys, right? So he started off pretty low uh, with the Scorpion King. But after he got a few movies under his belt, he was sort of looking at movies like the rundown. He had sort of figured out his niche in his the first phase of his career. And then he went his family friendly route. And we got movies like the game plan was a better example of it, but really the tooth fairy and the movie we're going to be talking about this week, race to Witch mountain before you really got what so far has been peak Dwayne, the rock Johnson, when he joined the fast and furious franchise and rode like a five year wave of just hit after hit after hit. So maybe we were eventually going to be seeing a downward trend at some point anyway. But as for the movie we are taking a look at today, it's time to find out whether or not it truly belongs in the peaks or the valleys. Uh, So that means it is, of course, time for Daddy to get going to work. Daddy's got to go to work. Today we are taking a look at Race to Witch Mountain. Like we said, it is a 2009 PG action-adventure movie with a budget of $65 million. It made in the United States $67 a uh, little over 67 million. So this movie actually turned uh you know a modest uh, a modest profit but still a profit which is going to be pretty surprising when you find out what this movie's about uh, and surprise it is nothing to do with witches. There's no race. Uh which mountain uh, hardly factors on any kind of consequential level. So this title doesn't really make much sense for what this movie's about. We got a lot to get into. Act 1 really gives us a good sense of where we're going. So let's get started. Act 1. An alien spacecraft crashes near Searchlight, Nevada, 150 miles outside of Las Vegas. Project Moondust, a secret Defense Department unit led by Henry Burke, arrives at the scene of the crash in black helicopters. Men in black seize the ship and search for passengers. Back in Las Vegas, Jack Bruno, played by Dwayne Johnson, is a former mob getaway driver who drives a cab to avoid returning to jail. One of his passengers is Dr. Alex Friedman, played by Carla Gugina, a failed astrophysicist who has come to Las Vegas to speak at a UFO convention at the Planet Hollywood Hotel. After fending off two thugs who seek services for a mob boss named Andrew Wolf, Jack Bruno finds two teenagers, Sarah, played by Anna Sophia Robb, and Seth, played by Alexander Ludwig, in his cab. They offer $15,000 to Bruno to drive them to an unknown destination. After a high-speed chase, Bruno and the teenagers arrive at an abandoned house. Bruno follows them out of concern and curiosity. The teenagers retrieve a device they were looking for within a hidden underground laboratory in the house, but then all three of them are attacked by a powerful, armored alien assassin, which they then outrun and escape. So I'm not even really sure where to start, but Charlie, just I guess what are your first thoughts on on Jack Bruno, Dwayne Johnson's character here? Well, you never forget his name is Jack Bruno because they say the full name Jack Bruno about a billion times in this movie. The kids talk like robots 
uh, and all they say is, Jack Bruno, uh, why don't you drive us? Here's some money. Like, Jack Bruno this, Jack Bruno that. And it drove me crazy. They expect, they do that. You're absolutely, like, for the first half of this movie, it's, it's as if they're speaking in third person, except they're speaking about Jack Bruno. Like, his name peppers every single line of dialogue for the first 40 minutes of this movie. And it's completely infuriating. But I have to say, like... For two kids playing aliens, like I kind of, by the end of the 40 minutes, I was like, yep, these kids are aliens because oh, no yeah. freaking human talks like this. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I thought that the kids did a really pretty good job. My my biggest sort of problem with this movie is not one that I was expecting, and it's that Dwayne Johnson's acting is rough. I mean, these kids are showing him up at every turn. And it's crazy to me because this movie is one that comes off the heels of Get Smart, The Game Plan, and Gridiron Gang. So, you know, not three of his best movies, but certainly movies that asked The Rock to put in a pretty dynamic emotional range as far as acting is concerned. This movie, he doesn't get anything beyond a grimace. No, yeah. For like an hour and a half. It's all pretty one note. And I was shocked when you said that the budget for this movie was $65 million because it looks like garbage. It looks it like does. straight up CGI garbage. Is, it is some of the worst CGI I've ever seen. And this is 2009. This isn't, you know, this is not really an early 2000s movie. Also concerning to me uh, was Dwayne Johnson's weight in this film. <laughs> he looks like he's so hungry. I just want to give him some food. What happened between Get Smart and Race to Witch Mountain? Was- <laughs> he looked like he was 150 pounds. Like what was, it was so unsettling. He looked all like, like lean and like 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 wet he looked like a big like flubber monster like it was all like all of his movements were like slender man i hate oh, it you know i bet you there was a cod shortage <laughs> there was no there was no cod on set no cod to be found so rather than eating anything unhealthy he just didn't eat like this was you know in the game plan how we we kind of liked you know he was trim but still, he just looked like a normal human in the game plan. This looked like they had trapped him in a fishless room for four weeks. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's probably why he was so angry in this movie. <laughs> well, so you're reading Act 1, and honestly, I didn't get a lot of that. I didn't get that he was a former getaway driver. I just thought they said that he went to jail previously and uh, for Grand Theft Auto. Not No, that's that whole plot line is so skimmed over in this movie i didn't get it either until going back and and checking out the synopsis they i think it's a single one-liner on a phone call with this andrew wolf character who we never see again yeah and the god the mob guys present themselves at the beginning of the movie and it never really pays off they come back about halfway through and they're dispatched with so quickly that they don't really ever provide much of a problem so why even have that in here? I don't know. You could have tied this up much neater and just making him just a former criminal and not involved with the mob. I, I felt like that would have been much simpler. Now, that being said, this mob angle did give us a pretty exciting part of the movie in this very first car chase um, on this stretch of Las Vegas road. Charlie, what what did you think that we got... You know, it was to me. It felt very reminiscent of a Fast and Furious movie. Obviously, no. You know, toned down. No. Hey, it, think about when he's driving. He's checking the the odom the speed the speed uh, little thing. Whatever. He's it's not called, doing speedometer. nearly enough shifting for a Fast and Furious movie. That's a good. 
no, there was no shift. And and if it was a Fast and Furious movie, he would have spent a lot of time looking out the window directly into the eyes of another driver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and in these scenes, you can see the the lines in the middle of the road. They're not going by very fast, so you could tell that they weren't. Like it was this shot was shot at low speeds. So one thing that you have to know about these two alien teenagers, they apparently have every superpower you could ever imagine. I have a huge uh, problem with that. They never they never set forward, you know, which kid has which powers. They basically both just seem to have unlimited powers. You're right. There's no rules. At one point they're speaking through each other's minds, there's telekinesis. But then this I this to me was my favorite action set piece in the movie is when the boy alien melts through the floor of the cab and then stands up and then if you've seen stranger things he was like 11 like flipping over a car with his brain and it like shattered all around him and like flew up in the air like i actually thought that was a pretty cool stuff it would have been cool if it didn't look so terrible yeah but this is a disney like what are you gonna do it says like, this was a, a 65 million dollar production by the world's largest production company it's true i actually i gotta yeah i gotta say like I know we're not even we're not even close to there yet, but when we finally see their spaceship, that's one of the worst <laughs> rendered images I've ever seen in a movie. It looks like close in the close encounters spaceship, but like they didn't update it at all. <laughs> they just took the same exact footage. Oh, it's basically, not good. and our, all right, if we're gonna compare it to other movies, let's compare it to Power Rangers movie. That is exactly what this movie is. Yeah. You got it kids with exactly powers. Like you have clueless adults that are always behind the eight ball. And this assassin alien that chases them around looks so bad. It looks like a Power Rangers villain. I'm like, I'm, I'm not kidding. It just looks like a guy in body armor. Spray it's painted terrible. green. And so, yeah, you're right. We get this is our first glimpse of this alien assassin. You're, I mean, it looks like, and it looks like a Power Rangers villain from like back in the 90s. Like it looks yeah. like a, it's, it's such a horrible costume it's like a Scooby Doo villain almost. Like, what? It, what did they spend the money on in this movie? It's, the CGI I, and that's right. it. It has to be the CGI, but the CGI wasn't done well. Which is, it's just so baffling. I have, I kind of think they might have spent CGI on fireworks, considering <laughs> every time they're running away, for some reason there's like sparklers. I don't know what those were supposed to be. There's like sparklers on the ground, like, like those little fireworks that you buy at yeah, a Seven Eleven. I took that note down too. Uh, every time, like, uh police car or other car blows up which is often it doesn't explode in like a ball of fire they're like it's like there's sparklers under the hood it's yeah right like what it's like are they, they made the, these cars out of sparklers gotta say though i did find so i know we, we touched like i i did like the alien kids performance uh i was specifically drawn to anna sophia rob and i found out why uh, turns out I did a little digging. She was in the movie Jumper, which, if you know, is the best movie ever made. <laughs> is that Bruce Willis? Jumper is the movie with Hayden. Uh, Hayden Christensen. What's his name? Yeah, Hayden Christensen. It's that movie where kids they can just jump Anakin? through time. Yeah, Anakin's in that movie. They can like jump through time and space, and they're like running away from, again, like I think anonymous government agents. This movie and Looper were like the two top tier movies that didn't get enough love. Jumper was like Looper before Looper existed. But <laughs> oh this girl God. was in Jumper. She was in Jumper. It blows my freaking mind. Oh, God. Okay, so one line I want to talk about is when they go to this abandoned house and the kids are like wandering around in there. They open up a, an old school refrigerator 
and there's like a, a hallway behind it and they go down the hallway and Dwayne Johnson is behind and he says this line to nobody. Don't go in the pimped out fridge, Jack. Well, that's see, no, that's what this moving. This what it's needed. It needed lines like that. The way he says it's bad. The line itself is bad. Don't go in the pimped out fridge. No, this was 2009. It was a different time. Oh God. We all, Exhibit was we huge. All, yeah, this was this was Gridiron Gang. This was like the height of Exhibit's career was right around 2009. I mean, it's just it's it's so shocking that we're talking about a year or two later that he's in our favorite rock movie, which is Fast Five. Yeah, you, it's 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 unreal the jump that's made. And he's gigantic in Fast Five. He's not so skinny like he is in this movie. Uh, his acting is better, mostly because it, I suspect it's just better ri- character writing altogether. Um, all right, let's get into Act Two, where the insanity meter gets kicked up a notch. After their run-in with the alien assassin, the group heads to a nearby diner. There, they are forced to again escape, which they do thanks to Sarah's telepathy and telekinetic powers. The teenagers explain to Jack Bruno that they are aliens from a dying planet located 3,000 light years away from Earth. Seth and Sarah's parents are alien scientists who sought a way to save their planet without having to invade Earth but they were arrested before they were able to complete their experiment. The teenagers came to Earth to retrieve the tool their parents were working on. However, their alien government sent an assassin to stop them. To save both their world and ours, the teens must retrieve their spaceship and return home with the tool. Bruno brings Seth and Sarah to Dr. Friedman at the UFO convention who joins the group. They meet up with fellow UFOologist and conspiracy theorist Dr. Donald Harlan, who tells them that the spaceship was taken to the secret California government base named Witch Mountain. The group heads to Witch Mountain, but are immediately captured by Burke. He orders that the teenagers be prepared for vivisection, but he frees the adults as he says, no one will ever believe your story. So we kind of get a little bit of backstory of why these teenage aliens are here. Uh, I can tell you one thing. It's not explained in this kind of detail in the movie. No, not at all. <laughs> okay, so the way that they lay this out is that there's an alternate planet where people that look just like humans who establish very similar types of social structures like governments and police forces that will arrest you and will send assassins after you. It's insane. And and they can like like part of their thing is they wanted to inhabit Earth. So they're aliens that A, look like us, B, have our government, and C, can breathe in our atmosphere, but like want to destroy all of us. Like it's such an unclear situation. Also, though, this is what freaking blows my mind. And again, we're not exactly there yet. But when we finally see the face of the alien assassin, he doesn't look like the two alien teens. He looks like a total freak. He looks like he looks like Chunk from... He kind of does look like Chunk from the Goonies. I think they offhandedly mentioned that the people on their planet like created that assassin. So I don't oh, think snap. he's this, I don't think he's the same species. Ah, okay. Well, that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Um, also, we got to talk about this diner sequence. Oh my gosh. So okay, fine. The, <laughs> we. I mean this. This sequence stands out to me more than anything else in the movie. Should we should we play the clip first? Yeah, let's give everyone give them a taste. Guys, welcome to Reigns. My name is Tina, and I'm going to be your server. Wow, look at the two of you. Uh, 
What do you mean, look at the two of them? They, they look like uh, just two uh, regular, innocent, uh, all-American kids. Well, it looked like they just rolled around in a pig pen right before dinner, that's all. Evening, Tina. Sheriff Anthony, your table's waiting for you. I'm gonna send you around a Frito Pies, huh? Sounds good. Thanks, Tina. Now, why don't the two of you come with me, and we'll get you all cleaned up, huh? We'll be back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. What is happening at this bar or restaurant? This doesn't exist in real life. Why? Why does the waitress offer to bathe these teenagers in the back of her diner? <laughs> Honestly, if you see something, say something. And The Rock should have said something. I mean, that's just creepy, uh, predatory behavior. And honestly, I won't stand for it. They all act like that's just a thing people do in diners is take sponge baths by a stranger. And and before that, I love the line, oh, hey, Sheriff, whatever your name is, I'll send around a, a, a lot of Frito pies to your table. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Um, so the weird little interesting fact about this moment is that this waitress and that sheriff are the original girl and boy alien from the original 1975 movie. So that's kind of a cool little thing but like could they have found a way to make their cameo like any more weird like what is going like why was this the choice in how to bring them back yeah you're you're right it did seem like an oddly big role uh they were smack dab in the middle of the scene uh something else i want to talk about in this bar scene is that the cia people or the men in black show up to this restaurant and try to take the kids away and the sheriff and everyone else (laughs) And everyone else in the bar uh, pull guns on the CIA guys. Yes. The amount of firepower that gets like <laughs> everyone is packing heat in this random Las Vegas Over diner. a jurisdiction dispute. And at one point, <laughs> there's this one uh, member of the police force, not the men in black, uh, that is holding two revolvers up to two different CIA guys' heads. <laughs> So this presupposes that he uh, that he has issued two guns. Why would you need two guns if you're a cop? Like, it, oh my god! And all this is cleared up moments after the Rock and the kids escape from the restaurant. There's a, a quick scene that cuts back to the restaurant, and the CIA guys hand over like a warrant or like their badge or whatever to the sheriff, and he goes, "Okay, everything checks out." Like, and then they just Wait, like everything's cool. If, why is the sheriff making these decisions? Why is the CIA guy wait till the last second to show this badge and this warrant? Like, and wh- the- everyone is cool with just regular citizens uh, drawing guns on government agents? Right. Everyone in this diner would be arrested. They all just forgot about it. God, it's like this is it is so odd. It's impossible to describe how startling this entire sequence is because a it goes on also for like ten minutes. It's like a Jeez, but so then we we move on to meeting. We meet up again with Doctor Friedman, Doctor Alex Friedman, who, if you remember, was uh, played by Carla Gugino, uh, who's been in actually quite a few movies. Didn't realize she had fallen so low to us to be in Race to Witch Mountain. <laughs> yeah, but what are this is like? What are our thoughts on what? What were your thoughts on Doctor Friedman in this film? I thought she was pretty likable. I didn't ever get the sense that she was like a failed astronomer. Or astrologist, astrophysicist, astrophysicist, or whatever it is. Uh, I never got the fact that she was failed. We do see a scene of her 
giving like a scientific presentation at this ufo convention where all these people just wanted to talk about to me it seemed like they were the crazy ones not her well this is what drove me i i have no i have that's like i had the same notes about this scene but this is what was driving me crazy is that she's at this alien convention and all these people in the crowd are like you know talking about the time that they encountered aliens and she's like this is not a story this is real science people she's like like putting them down for their alien stories but I was like, yo, lady, like, you are at a UFO Yeah, what did you expect? Convention. Like, get off your high horse. Like, you are, you're there, too. Like, you are part of this. <laughs> you are not better than them. You are right there with them. Stop putting them down. Uh, so I didn't really understand her angle. I didn't get, like, I didn't get, like, where she fit into all of this. No, it's almost just to give Dwayne Johnson a love interest, which I was very uncomfortable with because, first of all, we never really got Dwayne Johnson's reaction to finding out that extraterrestrials exist and that he's interacting with them he never really has like a freak out moment right there's there's the closest he gets to when he's like aliens wow wow you guys look like you know, you're supposed to be like big-eyed little green people and then the girl shows us that she has another power and like makes all the metal in the car float like magneto or something and then he just stares at it without making an expression and it's like and he's right. completely and then- cool with it <laughs> And he's just like, cool. (laughs) The premise of the movie is that Dwayne Johnson is helping these kids out. My question is why he does not owe it to them. No, they gave him like a big old sack of cash. This is again where I find that there's a weird level of like endearment between the girl alien and Dwayne Johnson. Like they had like, I don't know what kind of relationship they were going Uh, for. Sarah, you talking about Sarah who might be like. 15 in this movie yeah well it felt to me like very like father daughter like there was some kind of like weird thing that we were supposed to get out of it and i think that was supposed to be his motivation was that he was like he was like uncle he's lived his whole life yeah he's had his whole life kind of on the wrong side of the law and this these kids give him like a reason to care there's no reason that he would why does he why does he stick around so long he doesn't owe them anything but anyway so we get dr friedman and this alien assassin is after them they're trying to put these alien kids back on their spaceship dwayne johnson is too worried about getting in the bone zone with dr friedman yeah he's given her he's given her the eye yeah his whole movie and he says something to the effect of so what does she think about me you think she like you think she thinks i'm handsome or like it's insane yeah we there get a whole sequence where are the much girl, bigger Sarah. things at play but that's but that is again what's so weird about this movie is that he never seems to grasp like what's going on. Like he literally seems to just be oblivious to the entire alien plot of this movie and is existing in a world where he just is taxiing around some kids and trying to bang this astrophysicist. Okay, I have I got a I got a I got a I got some beef. Why is this so we learn that they're that the spaceship is at this secret base, secret government base called Witch Mountain. But it's also located at Witch Mountain, right? Like, it's not really a secret base. Oh. <laughs> if it's I never named put that together. after the... Like, it's named after the mountain it's located. Like, like what? <laughs> it's like as if, if the government had, like, a secret base in North Dakota and called it Mount Rushmore, and it's located <laughs> in Mount Rushmore. Like... Yeah, exactly. Secret government base called Mount Rushmore. Well, where do you think it is, dummy? And they also, it wasn't as if it was hidden in the mountain. They just drove up the road up the mountain. Yeah. 
and then it was there. Like, it was just at the top. It's not secret. This is the least secret, secret base. Uh, also, linguistically, it was giving me problems because they kept saying Witch Mountain. And I, for, like, half this movie, I was like, I thought they were just having confusion over where they were going. <laughs> like, like, which mountain should we go to? Which mountain is which yeah, mountain? Like, yes. Like, I didn't realize <laughs> it was called, like, like pronoun W, Witch Mountain. Like, I thought they were... They couldn't, they didn't know where to go for, to find the government base. And then finally I was like, oh my God, the base is called Witch Mountain and it's at Witch Mountain. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, it, it's crazy. And I cannot believe we haven't talked about the fact that there is a conversation between a girl and a dog in this movie. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Lest we forget that a dog named Junkyard takes up like eight minutes of dialogue in this film. Sarah. He would appreciate you pulling over so that he can relieve himself. Well, we don't have time for that. He should have went before we left Stony Creek. He's unpleased with your attitude. Really? Is that the way he feels? Will you remind him that I'm a man and he's a dog? And I'm not about to have this or any conversation with a dog. So my answer is still no. Okay, so that's actually, you know what, as far as one-liners in this movie go, that little sequence is probably one of the best you get of Dwayne Johnson, I gotta say. Yes, and that's the best, and it still sucks. That's my whole point about this movie, uh, is that the acting is bad, the one-liners are rough, the comedy doesn't necessarily work. Maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, we are not the target audience for this movie. That, that could be fair. That's, a, that's but a fair point. the best kids movies appeal to everyone, right? So like Moana, I loved. Right, the game plan, you know. Well, you know, I didn't like the game plan appeal, so that much. That universal appeal of the game plan. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah, that nobody would ever disagree uh, with you about. <laughs> um, at one point, Doctor Friedman, when they pick her up and explain her the whole situation, she says, "I've been waiting my whole life for this moment." What? There's no way you really waited like your whole life to escort some like freaky alien kids back to their ship. So that they, I mean, that's a very specific thing to wait for. And also, if that is her like life's dream, then why was she so rude to the alien nerds at the UFO convention who were telling her like exactly that they have the same fantasy? Exactly. Like, you think you're so much better than everyone else at Dr. Friedman, but you're not. You're just not. Okay, let's get into act three. The alien assassin attacks Witch Mountain and engages the soldiers, allowing Jack Bruno and Dr. Friedman to infiltrate the base, freeing Seth and Sarah. They launch the spaceship and escape through the mountain's tunnels, and finally they're able to kill this assassin who was actually stowed away on the spaceship. The teenagers give Bruno and Friedman a tracking device that will allow the aliens to always find them if they were to return. They tearfully wish each other farewell, but not before Sarah gives her telepathic powers to Jack Bruno. Some weeks later, we find Bruno and Friedman who have become successful authors of a book which they named Race to Witch Mountain, A True Story. They promote their book and knowledge on the UFO convention circuit, explaining that the publicity protects them from any kind of government retaliation. As they leave the convention, the alien device activates, implying that perhaps the alien teenagers might be returning to Earth. So we get this... Big climactic escaping from Witch Mountain. In a flying saucer. Which, and as we've said, it's one of the most poorly rendered spaceships. I mean, this made the Indiana Jones and Crystal Skull graphics look god tier. Okay, here's the thing. And I never thought I would say this, but I'm about to defend the kingdom (laughs) of the Crystal Skull right now. 
And I know oh this movie has come up before, but I would watch that movie a hundred times before I would rewatch this movie. There is way more to like there, and I think kids would like it more. Uh, Indiana Jones is Harrison Ford's amazing. You know, Shia LaBeouf is passable. Uh, that is the rudest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> he is a golden star child in that movie. You know what? In the assassin's costume is about the worst costume I've ever seen in a non-B movie. And then they have a fight on the spaceship with Dwayne Johnson. But my question is, after we've seen all the powers that the alien kids have, why don't they fight the alien? Right. This fight could have been over in 15 seconds because we have some all-powerful alien children uh, who just don't do anything in the climactic fight of this film. Yeah, and and, in, and the alien uh, assassin never shows that he has like any special powers. No, that's what blew my mind. This alien assassin who has been targeting them the entire movie, who has his helmet ripped off, he looks like a deformed... You know like what Darth Vader looks like when we when he loses his helmet? He looked like that merged with that guy from... He looked like Chunk, like Chunk. Chunk and Darth Vader. Yeah. Um, he's this all-powerful assassin that the alien government created, yet they did not seem to give him any abilities other than the than strength, which... Yeah, he then was strong Jack because Bruno... every time he would punch Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne Johnson would go flying across the room, and that happened, I would say, about a baker's dozen times. Oh, God. And that's being generous. Because... So many times he was flying across the room to like crash into a wall get up only for it to happen again and this wasn't like fast five against the wall where like vin diesel is throwing dwayne johnson through a cement wall like this would just be dwayne johnson like sailing in like an open room for like 10 feet and then hitting a wall like it didn't as much as the fast five movies ignore physics during fight scenes this movie just threw them completely out of the Yeah, there's window. just no gravity. So I got to talk about this this wrap-up. Like this, We see this little like credit sequence where they become authors. So I think that this is probably the worst like ending sequence of a movie I've ever seen. Like It doesn't do anything to tie... Like This whole movie, not great, but it's fairly epic in its like scope. Like So much happens in this movie that I feel like this ending sequence doesn't give any kind of credence to. Yeah, you definitely didn't need it. But I guess that shows us that Dr. Friedman and Dwayne Johnson ended up together. But like, doesn't even, there's no reason for them to be, they've spent a combined 45 minutes together. But, you know, they went through a harrowing experience together. And as we've seen in so many movies, namely Transformers, uh, (laughs) you know, you deal with aliens, you're going to grow pretty close to each other. That's a good point. That's a good point. Another Shia LaBeouf movie. By the way, he was great in those movies, too. <laughs> um, so one of the things in this movie that they that the alien kids mention is that they have depleted their planet's resources. And Dr. Friedman looks at Dwayne Johnson and goes, hmm, that sounds familiar. So my question is, is this movie just a super heavy-handed climate change allegory by well, the left-wing fake news media trying to infiltrate the minds <laughs> of our poor children? This is uh, Alex Jones needs to take a, wa- a look at this movie and let everyone know what's going on. <laughs> um, I think it. I think it. It absolutely is. This was. This was tough. This movie. Oh, I do want to say. So when we get when we finally see the spaceship, there is a scene where. All of the bad guys in the government have their guns drawn on Dwayne Johnson, Carla Gugino, and the two kids. And then he gives them the order to fire. 
And so what what follows is like the craziest bastardization of Matrix bullet time that I've ever yeah seen. And like, Matrix was made uh, what year? Like two thousand three. Well, and they looked better. Yeah. Oh, by and far, the graphics in the original Matrix blew this out of the water. Um, but you get this scene where it's like thirty five seconds of of sort of like watching these weird bullets explode right in front of the kids. Like, I guess they're stopping it with their brains, but like, it looks like a bad video game, but I don't even want to give it that much credit. It, and this it's is like so climactic bad. shooting. It's like such a big moment of this movie. And you just don't feel any of it. It just, it, it honestly, the moment bounced off me, like those bullets bounced off those poor children. As we do, as we, as we wrap this movie up though, uh, it is time to give, our final thoughts, and Charlie, as always, that takes place in the form of our franchise Viagra test. Franchise Viagra. As always, the franchise Viagra test is broken down into three tenets. Those tenets are hard work, charisma, and physique. Test number one, hard work. Honestly, Jordan, you might disagree with me on this, but I just don't see Dwayne Johnson working very hard in this movie. He's not doing many stunts. A lot of his uh, scenes take place in a driver's seat. He gets shown up by child actors that sound like a first-generation Macintosh software. (laughs) So I don't think he passes that tenet. On to charisma, sometimes you see it. I kind of saw it a little bit in the conversation with the dog where he's saying... Uh, I don't take orders because you're a dog. And honestly, as I was reading that line, it reminded me of Richie from Teen Witch. Yes, that was, I was just going to say, that was such a Richie, such line a Richie delivery. reading. Oh my God, it was so beautifully done. You're a dog, a dog. Louise. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't think he passes the charisma test either. Physique, we've already talked about how emaciated Dwayne Johnson looks compared Ugh. to the way he looks now. And... Honestly, it was a little uncomfortable. I kind of, I almost thought that my aspect ratio on my TV was off and it was like pushing things in, but that was not the case. I checked. So he doesn't pass that (laughs) physique either. So I think this is the first time that Dwayne Johnson has passed zero uh, stages of the franchise Viagra test. So no, we don't want to see a sequel to this movie and I hope it never happens. I couldn't agree more. A sequel to this movie would be a travesty to mankind. In in some of the worst movies we've watched of Dwayne Johnson, we're still seeing one of these tenants, and usually it's at least hard work. Uh, you know, one thing you like to see from Dwayne Johnson is him giving it his all, whether that's stunt work or line delivery or just an all-out willingness to be the most eyes-on-me figure in any scene. And in this movie, it's not even close. That being said, I found myself enjoying this movie as it went on in the sense that I could... I was having fun picking it apart. This is probably one of the first rock movies I've like enjoyed hate watching it. If that makes sense. It wasn't really? that it was like, it wasn't so bad that it was funny, but it was so bad that I was like impressed by the sheer awfulness of just his performance and the writing and the graphics. So, but I enjoyed like it to me, it crossed, it felt like almost like a B movie and I enjoyed it for that level. If it but was, it campier, can't be, it cannot be a B movie if it cost $65 million and it was done by Disney in 2009. I know it's more of like a mistake. It it's is a mistake. It is. <laughs> and honestly, I would say that I had more like to me, the tooth fairy is way more fascinating to me to watch because you introduce Ryan Sheckler in there. 
Uh, this is an interesting point in Dwayne Johnson's career. It's He plays hockey. I've really gone back and forth uh, between slotting it uh, above or below Tooth Fairy in my rankings. I guess based on the argument I just made, I have to rank it below Tooth Fairy. So this wow. comes in, yeah, this comes in right above Baywatch as the second worst movie that we have watched. Which which says, you know, a lot about Baywatch, gotta say. Um, yeah, I don't think I, anything's slipping under Baywatch. I'm right there with you. I think that this is, but I do think, I think this is better than Baywatch. I think this is better, actually, than The Tooth Fairy. And I think this is better than Scorpion King. So this movie makes actually a few slots up on my, my rock rankings. Um, but it's still uh, absolutely in the bottom of the pack. All right, before we say goodbye, we do want to give a shout out to a podcast that it would be the San Dimas School of Film. You can find them on Twitter at SDFSPod. It's a group of guys from Melbourne where they rate every other film that has been made compared to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I love the premise. It's uh, great. The guys are pretty hysterical. I listened to a little bit of their show. They gave us some they gave us some love in their last episode. Oh yeah, so we, God. So kind. These guys were so awesome. Uh said very nice things about our podcast. Funny enough, it seems like they came across our podcast because they recently did an episode on the Nicolas Cage movie, The Rock. And uh they have a, a, a segment in their show called Podcasting a Wider Net, where they look up podcast tangentially related to whatever movie that they were doing so one of their guys typed in the rock and of course being the number one uh reviewed and rated dwayne johnson podcast on itunes boom uh we were the first result so and he gave us a listen and said some very nice things so thank you guys uh we love you and that just about does it for us on rock talk as charlie said we are the number one rated reviewed listened to subscribed downloaded streamed podcast about dwayne johnson on iTunes, on Stitcher. So anywhere you get podcasts, you can find us. So thank you again for listening. Please leave us a review. It's the best way you can help the show. Charlie, would you please let the kind folks know what podcast they've been listening to? You are currently making your escape from Rock Talk.